awesome opportunity uh, to meet people in our community, have good conversations, uh, welcome people in, and, and just see how Jesus works through those things. All right, so let's do this. Let's pray, and then we'll dive in together. All right, Jesus, you're good. And to this morning, we just thank you. We thank you that we, be, we were able to come into a place like this and sing songs like, I'm going to see a victory. Not I might, not will I, but like affirmative. I, I'm going to see a victory. Why? Because the battle belongs to you. And so, Father, you do. You take all the things that this world, that our enemy, that this world, all the things that it wants to use for evil and break us down. You are so good that you can take those kinds of things and work them out for our good. And so today, Father, I pray as we wrap up and land the plane on this series that, that you would stir in our hearts, that, that today would be a day when we walk out of this place. It wasn't a day that we just came and sat in a chair for an hour and got ready for, for, to watch football this afternoon, but this was a day that we got a chance to bump into you, and, and this is a day we look back on and go, you know what, this is when things changed, that today as we walk out of this place, that nothing's ever the same, and it's not because we heard a good sermon or there was good music or whatever, but it was because we bumped into you. So Jesus, we ask that you would open our eyes, that you would open our ears and soften our hearts to your truth today. Uh, that you would meet us where we are, as we are, and that we would then, in that, in that journey with you, become all that you want us to be. Jesus, we love you. We pray all this in your name. Everybody set? All right, so we kicked off this series about five weeks ago, and we talked about this kind of rule in aviation called the one in 60 rule, which is this. For every one degree, when you're navigating, if you're, if you're a pilot, like if, you're, if you're navigating, for every one degree you're off your mark, you will miss your target destination by one mile for every 60 miles that you fly, right? And I know that's a lot of math, right? So let me just t give you like the, the, the most extreme example. It basically is this. If you were flying a plane around the equator, right, and you were one degree off, by the time you came back around again, you would miss your target destination by over 500 miles, Right, So that just shows you, it's, it's one of those things where just being a little bit off over time and over distance eventually adds up to the point where when you come back around again, now it's kind of the difference between life and death. It's kind of the difference between like now it's, I'm not just missing my target by a little bit, I, I'm lost. Right, I'm lost, I, I, am, I am not where I'm supposed to be, and I'm on the radio hollering mayday, right? That's kind of how it works. Now here's what we know, and we talked about this too, we're not really talking about aviation, are we? We're not talking about flying planes. We're not talking about how to navigate a plane. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about when we talk about this one in 60 rule is our lives. Because let's be real. Many of us have found ourselves in these places where we ask ourselves, how did we get here? Like, how did I get into this place? And maybe you know those kinds of moments, right? Maybe you felt those kinds of moments. Like, you know, for you, it's like you didn't, you didn't wake up one day and just decide out of nowhere in one day to torpedo your marriage. You didn't. You didn't wake up one day and you say, you know what, I think I just want to ruin this. But yet, here's what you find. You find yourself over time and distance, being one degree off here or there. You find yourself waking up going, I'm not quite sure what. How do we get to this place? How do we get to this place where we are so far apart? How do we get to this place where we are so disconnected from one another? Right? We, didn't, we didn't seek to like blow up relationships. We didn't seek to cut off friendships. We didn't seek to end relationships. But again, it's like one degree off here, there, barely noticeable, over time, distance. And now we find ourselves kind of separated, lonely, isolated. And here's the truth. We don't wake up. We don't wake up one day just going, you know what? This is the kind of, that's the kind of life you know the kind of life I want to live? An exhausted one. Uh, you know the kind of life I want to live? Stressed all the time. I re you, know what, you know what sounds great? Being completely isolated and alone. That sounds awesome. 
It sounds great to be addicted. It sounds great to be hooked on some sort of substance or something like that. You know what sounds great? Depression, anxiety. That seems like fun. We don't wake up thinking those kinds of things. We never intend to get off course, right? We never intend to get off course. But over time, and maybe without us even realizing it, we give up ground, right? We give up ground to some of these influences and forces that kind of pull on us and push on us in the world. And what happens is we, we start to compromise. We start to give up a little bit of who we are. We start to give up a little bit of our value. We start to give a little, a little bit of our priorities. We start to kind of listen to the noise around us, and we compromise. We start to give ground, and here's the truth. When you compromise in one area of your life, it's just a matter of time before you're going to compromise in other areas of your life. And sometimes, without even knowing it, you keep drifting further and further and further off course. And now here you are, right? Here we are. We're not where we wanted to be, right? Maybe you've had those moments in life where you wake up and you go, I don't... I'm not where I thought I would be. I'm not where I wanted to be. I'm not where, I'm not where I expected to be. Life doesn't look or feel the way I thought it would. And, and so what happens in those moments is we try to start to, to find our way back, right? We, like, how do I get back? How do I get my life back on track? How do I get my life back on course? And that's where our values and our priorities come into play. And that's what this whole series has been about. And here's what we've said, right? Our values and our priorities are what we use to stay set, calibrated, and centered on living the with God life, right? And who we are and in what we do. It's how we stay set. It's how we stay calibrated. It's how we stay centered on living the with God life that Jesus makes possible. Right? That's the life that, that Jesus says, listen, there's opportunities available for you. Eternal life doesn't start when you die. It starts right now. When we step into this relationship with Jesus, we get to live a life with God, God with us, God within us. And here's some good news. Right? I, I just want to explain this. Right? Here's some good news. Because of Jesus, because of Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection, I just need you to know this. There's no such thing as a lost cause. There's no such thing as a lost cause. No one, no one, yes, you, no one is too lost. No one is too messy. No one is too far off track. No one is too crashed or wrecked or broken. Right? We talked about this last week and a couple of weeks ago. Jesus doesn't look at the condition of your life and go, hey, I'm really sorry, but there's nothing I can do with this. He doesn't look and go, you know what, sorry, I'd like to help. But I can't really help you. I mean, what, after all, look at your life. It's pretty messy. What do you expect me to do with this? That's not how Jesus looks at us. That's not what Jesus says. What Jesus does and what he says is he makes it possible. He makes it a possibility for you and I to reset, to recalibrate, to recenter our lives on how he teaches and how he says, how he shows us how to live. Right? He gives us that opportunity. Jesus, he called it, he called it an abundant life. John 10, 10, Jesus called it life to the full, the abundant life. We call it here at Adventure the with God life. And the possibility of living that kind of life is always available, and it's always an option because of Jesus. But that's it. Like, there's no other way. There's no other way to, to kind of get reset, recentered, and recalibrated on that kind of life outside of Jesus. Jesus is the only way. But for you today, for us today, whether you are kind of looking to kind of stay set, it's like, hey, I feel like my life is in a pretty good groove, I'm, I'm on track, like, and I just want to stay there, I want to stay in this place. If you're looking to stay set and stay calibrated and stay centered on living the with God life, or maybe today you're going, you know what, I just need to reset. Like, I need to reset. I woke up this week and I realized, man, my life is not what I thought it was going to be. And you need to reset. You need to recalibrate. You need to recenter yourself in the with God life. Jesus is the way to do that. And our values and our priorities are what we use to help us get there, right? 
So here's what we said, just a couple quick like definitions, just so we get everybody on the same page as we go forward. Like Our values, what they are, as we've been saying this, that they're the principles of life and the standards of living that we put the highest price tag on. But again, just a simple way, our values are what we say it's worth it to live like this. You know, whatever it is that you're pursuing in life, whatever it is that you're chasing after, those things that you say, these are the things that I put the highest price tag on life. Essentially what your values are saying is me living like this or me pursuing these things, maybe to say yes to this and no to that. It's worth it for me to say yes to this and no to that. Or it's worth it for me to say no to that, right? And, and yes to this. Like that's how, it, that's how it works, right? That's what our values essentially say is that it's worth it to live this way. And our priorities, right, the reason that they matter so much, right, our priorities, they're what we use to kind of help us organize our lives, to help us to determine what's most important. Because let me just tell you, and you probably know this, everything in your life wants to be the most important thing. It's just the truth. I mean, maybe, I I know I feel that. You know, I feel like this urgency, like there's there's this phrase about the tyranny of the urgent Right, that everything wants to be the most urgent and the most critical and the most important. And the truth is, it's not. Because if we treated life like that, we would go nuts. We would go crazy. We're not built to, to, to live like that. We can't juggle all of that stuff. And so our priorities, they help us to decide who gets what from us or out of us when it comes to you know, our, our time, our energy, our effort, our presence, our attention, you know, and, and our finances. Our, our, this, this is what our priorities do. They help us to decide in order what's, what's most important. And here's the reason that all these things matter. The reason is this. The direction and course and destination of our identity and our purpose, right, who we are and what we do, is ultimately driven and defined by our values and our priorities, which is how we live. And what we say is worth it, and what we say is most important. And that's why this matters so much. The direction, the direction, of course, and destination of who we are and our purpose, how we live, it's driven by the things that we say it's worth it and the things that we say, you know what, it's really important. That's what's going to drive your identity and your purpose. And, and all of this, let me just say this, all of this applies to you and I personally just as much, if not more, than it applies to our church organizationally, right? Our values and our priorities, here's the deal, they're, they're not just for a church website. They don't just live on our website, so we've got these nice, friendly little sayings that people can read and go, oh, I see what this church is all about, right? They, they don't just live on handouts and information that we hand out to people. Right? It's not just information about Adventure Christian Church, the, the organization. Our values and our priorities, and this is something that's hit me hard this week, they live in and they come alive in each of us. And here's why. We are the church. That's just the truth. This this is a facility, right? This, this is a building, and this can be anything. It just can't. It was before, right? This used to be a place where they would make prop kitchens. I don't know if you know this, the history of this building. This used to be a print shop, and this print shop used to do all the print media for GE appliances. So where you're sitting right now for worship, there used to be fake kitchens all over this place. And they would take pictures of appliances and things like that to sell them, right? So this thing, before we decided to meet in here and it become a church, right, this, this was a print shop. And there's going to be a day where maybe we move out of this place, and it's going to be something else. This is a building. We are the church. That's the truth. And so this, I, I, need, you, I need us to get this. And again, this is what I've been wrestling with this week. The, the direction and course and destination of our identity as a church, organizationally, 
is tied to how we personally live out our values and priorities. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. We talked about that, that living, living in our values and priorities, like living into those things, it's the difference between integrity and hypocrisy. Right? It is. When I live into my values and priorities, I live in integrity. And what the word integrity means is an integrated life. Right? Which means all of my past, all of my failures, all of my mistakes, all my regrets, my present challenges and struggles, and my future goals and dreams, they're all integrated at peace here. Right? And so essentially, an integrated life says this. What you see is what you get. I got nothing to hide. That's integrity. That's integrity. Hypocrisy is a segregated life which basically says this, I only let you see what I want you to see, right? That's the difference. And that's why one of the things that people outside of the church, one of the biggest complaints, one of the biggest things they say, one of the things they point to is that the church is full of hypocrites. The church is hypocritical. Why? It's because we come in here for an hour on a Sunday or we attend a group for an hour or we go in somebody's living room and we unpack truth in that space and then we go out in the world and we don't look any different. That's why. We go into our jobs, schools, places like that, and if they look at our lives, if they follow us around, we don't look different than anybody else. So that's why I say, like, this is, this is, it hit me this week, right? This is a facility. We are the church. And if we want to be a church that lives in integrity, which I hope and pray that that's what we want to do. That's what I want to do. If we want to be a church that lives in integrity, what you see is what you get. We got nothing to hide. An integrated life. We're messy. We fail, we, we have regrets, we've got junk in our past, but you know what we have in our present? Jesus. You know what we have in our future? Jesus. We're good with that. Here's the truth, though, church. The direction and course and destination and identity of this church is not made or formed in on social media. It's not made or formed in marketing meetings. It's not made or formed in slick advertisement. You know where the direction and identity of this church is determined? You guys, us. People will see something in your life and go, you know what, there's something different. Tell me about that. Well, hey, I belong to this family and we're a messy family and we're a crazy family, but there's a lot of people like me that have, we got junk in our past and we got struggles in our present, but you know what we have in all that? Jesus. If we want to grow our church, if we want to see our, if we want to be a church that lives in integrity, it comes down to us living out our values and priorities, not just an organization having those, right? So, sidetrack, right? None of that was in my notes. Um, I just preached. I don't know what happened. I blacked out. I'm back. Um, so, so before, I did take my medicine today, so there we go, right? Be before we unpack our last value, I, I want to line all these out so you kind of know how these work, and, and we can keep all this stuff together, like moving in the same direction. So the first value that we talked about was we live the way, and that ultimately comes down to biblical authority. Now, here's the thing. What we say is that what the Bible says about how to live life and the way we're supposed to live, we say that it's worth it and it's important, right? It's worth it to live the way the Bible says to live. We look at the Bible, the Bible is the authority. We say it's important to keep the Bible in that place of authority. Now, if you go back to our aviation illustration, right, what we would say is that the Bible sets the course. The Bible is our flight plan and is also the flight manual. It's how we, it's how we know where we're going, and it's also how we know how to fly, right? That's how it works. That's what the Bible is. Our second value is this. We're better together. And we talked about authentic community, a community of people that don't have to hide from one another, a community of people who say, listen, we will stop at nothing to get you in the same room with Jesus no matter what. 
It's worth it, and it's important for us to do that. Again, going back to our flight thing, this is who we go with. Authentic community, that's the flight manifest, right? That's who we know who's on board with us. That's who we know who we're going with, who we're traveling with, who's on board with us. Number three was this. We step into the mess, which is this. We live on mission. We say it's worth it, it's, it's worth it, and it's important for us to be on mission, right? To step into messy situations wherever those things are, whether it is a mission trip or it is our next door neighbor or it is our family member or it's our, our kids, whatever it is, we step into that mess. We are always on mission. That's who we are. We're not afraid to get messy. Why? Jesus wasn't. And then our fourth value, we talked about this last week, is, is, is we bring hope to everyone, right? Again, going back to our, to our airplane thing, like this is what we bring with us. This is our cargo. This is your carry-on. This is the luggage. What's in our luggage? Hope. That's what's in our luggage. Hope. Hope is like what we trust in and what we believe in. But like we talked about last week, hope, what you hope in is what you run to when your world falls apart. And what we bring with us is a hope that's unlike any other because we find it in Jesus. Who, even though everyone else, when our world blows up, will run away, he doesn't. That's what we believe. And that's what we bring with us. So that's four out of our five values. But I just kind of want to stop here at this point. And I just, can, can you see how these shape now? How these shape and define and direct our identities and our purpose? How these things work to keep us on track? See, here's what happens. We said this a couple weeks ago. Our values and our priorities, they make impressions on who we are. And those impressions come out as expressions in how we live. Right, we demonstrate this. Like we said, all, for, me to, to, for me to determine what your values or your priorities are, or for you to do the same, for me, just follow me around for a couple of days, or let me follow you around for a couple of days. I'll see what's made an impression on your life because it will come out in the expression of how you live. And all of this extends to us as a church as well. Again, this is super important. Here's what I would say, right? This is kind of a statement, right? I want us to remember this. It's, we want to be, as a church, we want to be who we are, that's our identity, the kind of church and the kind of people that does, which is everything we do and how we operate, the kinds of things that Jesus commands us to do because the church is what Jesus chose as the vehicle to change the world. That's who we want to be. If you're wondering what kind of church is Adventure Christian Church, that kind. That's who we want to be. That's who we want to be. That's what we're going to chase after. And so that brings us up to, to our fifth value and priority. Here's what it says. Here's the fifth one. It's, it's we join the movement. Right? That's our fifth value. Like this is why we, I just want you to know, this is why we exist in the first place. I mean, this is our goal. This is what we're after. Like, like the, all of the other values and priorities, they establish the direction. They set the tone. And again, going back to our flight kind of plane metaphor, right? If all those other things are kind of the flight plan and the, the, the cargo and the manifest and all that kind of stuff, this is what lights the afterburners. This is what takes us to full throttle. And here's what this value says. Jesus came to start a gospel movement of multiplication, and the way he did that was through disciple-making and discipleship. And so what we read in Scripture, again, going back to the Bible as the authority, what we read in Scripture is that we are commissioned, we are equipped, we are called to join his movement today. It's still going. It hasn't stopped. It's still going. We're commissioned, we are called, we are equipped to join this movement today. And here's what this value is all about, right? So we've got these statements, and then we've got these little, like, here's the crux of the value. This value is all about this, discipleship and spiritual formation. That's what this is about. 
which really, discipleship and spiritual formation are two different words for the same thing, right? Those are basically different names for the same kind of thing. And so here's, here's what, how I want to tackle this today as we dive in, right? I want to do what we've been doing the last few weeks. I want us to see in Scripture where this value and priority comes from because we didn't make it up, right? We didn't make it up. We find it in the Scripture. We find it in the Bible. I want us to see the truth behind this value. But then I want us to see for ourselves how it works because that's really what matters, Again, I've said this every week just about. Like, I can stand up on this stage and give you all the information. I can give you all the facts, all the data. I can point to all the truth. But I know us, and I know me, right? Like, somebody can give me a lot of information, but you know what I'm going to have to do? Try it for myself, right? You can give me all the information, right? You can, you can tell me this, that, or the other, and I'm going to go, that's great. I need to see it for myself. I need to see it for myself. And it's the same deal here. What I want to do is I want to give us the truth, but then I want us to see it for ourselves. I want us to see how it works. So grab your Bibles. you get got your Bibles with you uh, or your Bible app. We've got free Bibles in the back. If you need a Bible, don't have one at home, uh, you can take one of those with you. That's free for you today. Grab your Bibles. Open up to Matthew 28. We're going to kind of live in the book of Matthew today. So you can just kind of keep that dog-eared or whatever. Uh, but here's what I want to read. This, this is a pretty famous moment. This is after Jesus is death, burial, and resurrection. He'd spent around 40 days with his disciples, right? And these are some of the last words that he's going to say to his crew, right, to his followers. It says this in Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. It says, now the 11 disciples, they went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted, right? Again, we talked about doubt last week. And how Jesus, at time, he makes allowances for doubt. He makes allowances for, for us to be curious, to ask questions, to go, you know what, I'm not so, Jesus doesn't look at those of us that doubt or wrestle or struggle with faith and go, come on. Right, he allows us to wrestle with him. Right, and I think that's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a blessing to be able to wrestle with Jesus. So some doubted. Some were still going, I don't know if I can get my head around a guy coming out of a tomb three days. I mean, I just saw him die. And it says, Jesus came to them and said this, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe that all, all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, famous set of verses. I just want to unpack this a little bit here because there's a lot going on. So here's what you need to know. After, after spending like three, three and a half-ish years with his disciples, right? These are the people that followed Jesus. And in, the, in his followers, the, there were 12 guys. The oldest was a guy named Peter. And again, what we learned from the Bible is Peter was the only one of Jesus' disciples that was over the age of 20. The rest of them were younger. So he had this, this group of, of 12 young men young men, and he had taught them. He'd spent three years teaching them, modeling the way to live that was based in the truth of Scripture and who God is, right? What, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. What Jesus taught his disciples and his followers was the truth of who God is, who God says we are, and what God wants for us. That's what Jesus taught on. Let me tell you about the truth about who my Father is. Let me tell you about the truth of who you are to him. And let me tell you the truth about what he wants for you. Jesus, what he did is he pulled together an authentic community, and he taught them how to care for one another. Jesus showed and he modeled how to step into messy situations, how to step into messy lives. Not to be afraid of that, but to do it, right? To, to step into the lives of people who are hurt and broken and lost. Jesus brought hope with him everywhere he went. He healed people. He looked at people who assumed they were lost causes and gave them second chances, 
He looked at people who were damaged goods and said, get up. Get up and walk. Now this, all of that, all that Jesus did in three and a half years of public ministry with his, his small group of guys and also some of his followers, this is where he takes all of that and he puts it in the hands of people like you and me. And he starts out by saying this, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Do you know the, do you know the other time that Jesus said this in Scripture? It's a trick question. He didn't. It's the first time he's ever said this. He's never said anything like this before. Prior to this moment, he's never said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. He's never said that. You know, here's, here's, here's why I think he can say this. When you are publicly executed, and the purpose, the real purpose behind your execution, you giving up your life, is to free all of humanity, past, present, and future, from the power of sin and death, and then you're buried, sealed in a tomb, but walk out three days later alive, you can say this. Right? You can say this. Listen, here's what I did. I, I went to this, I, I gave up my life. Nobody takes my life from me. I give it away, right? I gave up my life. I gave it to you. I, I, was, I was murdered, brutally painful. They shoved me in a hole, put a 2,000-pound rock in front of it, and, you know, I walked out. All authority in heaven and earth is mine, okay? That's kind of how this works. Like, Jesus is going, listen, I'm the boss, he says, listen, you, you want to know who has all the authority? I do. But here's the deal. I want you to look at what Jesus does with all of his authority and how it's so counterintuitive. Because here's the deal. Here's what we do with authority. When we get authority, we keep it. When we, do author when we get authority, we do everything we can to protect it and hang on to it. Jesus gives it away. He gives it to us. And then he sends us out to use it. And right after he makes this authority statement, he says this, go, therefore. Now, again, you've heard me say this, right? What's the thing we got to ask when we see therefore? Come on. What's, thank you, my people. You pay attention. That's great. Yeah, when, whenever, anytime you see a therefore in scripture, you have to ask yourself, what's the therefore, therefore? So Jesus, he says this, like, go, therefore. Jesus is saying this, since all of the authority on heaven and earth is mine in light of all of that, knowing that, that what I did, knowing that I lived this life, I died this death, I resurrected, knowing all of that, living in that reality that is now possible, go. And this word go in, in, the, in the original language, in the original manuscript, literally translates as you go. Well, go and do what? Jesus, he's got all this authority. He gives it to us and says, hey, in light of my authority, in light of me being in charge of everything, everyone, everywhere, in light of that, go as you go. Do what? Make disciples. Make disciples. That's what I want you to go and do. That's what I want you to use this authority for. That's what I'm, that's what I'm, that's what I'm giving this to you for. Go, to, go make disciples. Of who? All nations. Well, how do we do that? Well, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to observe all that I've taught you. Okay. And Jesus, where will you be while we're doing this? With you. I'm going too. I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. I love this. I love this. This is how good God is. You understand, do you understand how good God is? God, God doesn't just look at you and say, hey, you know what? You go fight your battles 
but no, I'm cheering you on, right? Hey, you go out and do, but no, I'm cheering you on. Here's what God says. God says, I'll fight your battles for you, and I'll fight your battles with you. I'll go too. I'll go with you. I mean, I, to me, you all, that is like this week as I read through this, right? And I've read, I can't tell you how many times I've read through the Great Commission. To realize that when Jesus sends us out, he says, you know what? I'll, I'll go too. I've got all the authority on heaven and earth. And I'm going to come with you. I'm going to go with you while you make disciples. I think that's just amazing. And see, we call this moment the Great Commission, right? That's what it's referred to. Maybe you've got a header in your Bible that says that, you know, the Great Commission. And if you look up the word commission in the dictionary, here's what it says. Here's what it means to be commissioned. It means to be, it's an instruction or a command or duty given to a person or a group of people. That's what it means to be commissioned, right? Or it's a group of people who are officially charged with a particular function. Or the kind of the last definition that I read was this. It was, it was to be given an order of authorization. You're authorized. You are cleared for takeoff. And there are a couple things that I want to make sure we get before we look at how this works in our lives. The first one is this. For Jesus, discipleship and spiritual formation are not optional exercises. They're not. Jesus, as we've learned, has values and priorities. He's got his own set of values and priorities that he establishes with his kingdom. When we step into his kingdom, we say yes to Jesus, and we begin to live the with God life, we leave the old life behind, we live the with God life, what we do is we come under the values and priorities of Jesus' kingdom. That's what we do. Why? Jesus is in charge. I'm not running my life. See, in the old kingdom, I run my life. In the new kingdom, Jesus does. And Jesus says, I got values and priorities. And so what we learned from this is that it, it, was, it was worth it. It was a value for Jesus to spend his time in ministry and eventually give up his life to make discipleship and spiritual formation in a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit possible. It was worth it. That was a value for Jesus. When it comes to the priority of discipleship and, for, and spiritual formation, it was so important to Jesus, that it's the only thing he instructs, commands, charged, and authorizes us to do. It's, it's the only thing. There's no and also to the Great Commission. Go make disciples. That's how important it is for Jesus. It's the only thing he tells us to do. Go make disciples. I'm with you. Let's go. And because it's so worth it and because it's so important, Jesus promises to go with us as we go. As we go about our lives, as you go to school, as you go to work, as you do carpool, as you come home, as you sit in a cubicle, as you sit and watch the NFL later on this afternoon, as you talk to your neighbor, as you hang out with your kids, as you put your kids to bed, when you hang out with your parents, when you go, to, when you go have, have date night, when you go to a dinner with, with friends, as you go, make disciples. It's so important that he promises he's going to go with us. It truly is. I mean, I know I like to do like the wordplay thing. We talk about the Great Commission. It truly is a great co-mission. Jesus invites us into it. He shares his authority with us, and then he goes along with us to help us accomplish it, right? That, that's, 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 that's amazing. So that's, that's the first thing that I want us to see. For Jesus, discipleship and spiritual formation is not an optional exercise. It's something that we have to do. The second thing that I want us to understand is this, that Jesus knew that we have to be disciples who are actively participating in spiritual formation if we are to make disciples, 
right, and invite people to join us in spiritual formation and discipleship. So here's, here's the truth. This is not, right, discipleship and spiritual formation, making disciples, is not a do as I say but not as I do kind of thing. And I know what you're thinking. Well, well what does it mean? Brad, what does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to be someone who, who is a disciple? What does it mean to be someone who is involved in spiritual formation? My friend Jim Bergen says it like this. He says, discipleship and spiritual formation is a process or a journey of rethinking and replacing our ideas and our thoughts and our beliefs with what Jesus says is true, better, and let's be honest, actually works. That's what it means to be a disciple. That's what it means to be in discipleship. That's what it means to be in spiritual formation. It's a process. And we talked about this all summer long. If you want to learn more about this, you can go back on our YouTube channel or Facebook, whatever it is, and you can go watch our Muscle Memory series. We talked six weeks on this this summer, what it means to be in this process. But here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line of discipleship and spiritual formation. It's this. It's a personal journey. It's a personal journey. It's not simply attending an event or a program. It's not what it is. It's a personal journey we have to commit to. We have to commit to this personal journey of being a disciple, of entering into spiritual formation. And you know what? Programs and events can help, but that's not what they are. Programs and events in and of themselves, they're not spiritual formation. They're not discipleship. They help. They encourage. They make things possible. But what it is, it is a personal commitment. It's a personal commitment that we make. And it takes time. How much time? Your whole life. It's just the truth. You step into the process of spiritual formation and discipleship, and you know when it ends? When you see Jesus face to face. That's when it's over. That's when it's over. And the whole time, your whole life is spent being shaped and molded and formed to rethink, to reshape, to reconsider. Maybe Jesus has got something going on here. But here's, here's, the, here's the thing. It's super important, right? We have to understand this. Discipleship and spiritual formation has to start where you are. And I love the way Christy said it this morning. It's like, we are a church. We say, come as you are. That's where it starts. You don't, on your way to church, have to clean up your mess. You don't, on the, the, the stairs up to church, try to have to put on, you, you, don't, you don't have to put on some performance. You don't have to go like, get in your car, like, let me remember my lines. How's life? Fine. Deliver my lines. How, how, how's your family? We're great. You don't have to do that. To be a disciple of Jesus, to be someone that steps into spiritual formation, you don't have to clean up your messy life before you start. It starts right where you are. And here's the truth. If your goal is to try to clean up your life to get yourself, you know what, here's, here's the deal, Brad. I, I, will, I, will, I will step into spiritual formation. Let me just get some things over here figured out first. Like, I, Brad, I want to be a disciple. I want to begin to, like, rethink and reconsider. I want to do all that re-stuff, right? I want to do that. I just, I, can I, just give me, just give me a, a few weeks to work on it, right? Can I, just get, can I just work on this just for a few, before I step into this? If that's your attitude, if that's your thought process, guess when you'll start? Never. Just the truth. I coach uh, this year. I got, whew, I got, I got suckered into coaching middle school soccer. Um, 
It's a challenge. Last year, I coached elementary soccer. That was one of those things that's like, oh, aren't they cute? But middle school soccer, they've at least got enough skill that you actually have to coach them, right? And there's some responsibility and accountability there, right? But, but here's the thing. What I've learned is, so last year, I coached third and, fourth, third and fourth graders. This year, I'm coaching middle school, right? Here's what I've learned. Um, middle school and elementary soccer players are just like pro soccer players, you watch professional soccer, right? You watch, like, and let me just take it into a game maybe you all understand. American football, right? I know, like, there's soccer, is football. It's real football. American football is hand egg, right, if we're just going to be literal. Um, you'll catch on, right? You'll get that. That'll hit in a minute. It'll be funny, I promise. Um, but elementary, elementary school soccer players and middle school soccer players, they're just like, they're just like pro soccer players. You want to know why? You want to know where they started? Their, you want to know where, where every professional soccer player started their, their career? where every professional football player, basketball player, golfer, whatever it is, started their career, where everybody else did. Right? Where everybody else did. They showed up to practice. They put in the work. They put on a uniform. They went out and played games. So, you know, a professional soccer player is a soccer player. A third grader who's just learning how to kick, can't even tie his shoes yet, also a soccer player. They're both the same. One's just been doing it a little bit longer. One's devoted a little more time, effort, and energy into it, right? Regardless of what level or what team you play for, a soccer player is a soccer player. A football player is a football player. Do you know, do you know when you became a follower of Jesus? The moment you stepped in his direction. You might not even have believed in him at that point, right? But, but here's the thing. You, you, you begin to follow him. The moment you step in his direction, that makes you a follower, the moment you start to, 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 to step in Jesus' direction, the moment you start to ask Jesus questions, right, you become a follower. We talked last week about four guys, Peter, Andrew, John, five guys. Peter, Andrew, John, Philip, and Nathaniel. They step towards Jesus. And in that moment, in that moment that they took a step towards Jesus, they became his followers. They stepped his way at first. They didn't know who he was. They just heard someone that they knew and respect talk a lot about him. They stepped in Jesus' direction. They didn't believe. They didn't believe yet. They just heard this guy, John, that they knew talk about, this is the Lamb of God, come and take away the sins of the world. They're like, we want to check this out. So they stepped in Jesus' direction. They began to follow him. In fact, if you go back and read John 1, it says they were following Jesus. And Jesus turns around and says, what are you seeking? We just want to hang out with you. Okay, come and see. They didn't believe yet. They were just curious about this guy they had heard a lot about. And they wanted to check him out for themselves, which, again, Jesus is great with that. And like those guys, right, like the guys we see in the Bible, every single person in this room started, and we start in the same place when it comes to discipleship and spiritual formation. Every one of us, we start in the same spot. And here's what happens. Something happens in our lives that causes us to step in Jesus' direction. Maybe we were curious, right, and we just wanted to see for ourselves. Maybe our life was in crisis and Jesus was a last-ditch effort, right? Maybe we tried every other possible means of finding a purpose or a place in life, and all of those things came up short. So you know what we did? We stepped in Jesus' direction. I've tried everything else, Jesus. Mm, I guess I'm going to try you. Maybe for some of us it was, a, it was in a kid's ministry class or an adult that, that we can still hear the sound of their voice was patient enough with us to describe Jesus. 
And as a little kid, we went, you know what, I want that. Or maybe he's in student ministry. When one of our friends pulled a total, this is me, pulled a total bait and switch and invited us to go to camp, and it ended up being a Jesus camp, right? I was invited to go to a spring break camp because I was told, hey, your parents aren't there. I'm like, great. It ended up being a Jesus camp. I'm like, come on, right? Gave my life to Jesus, right? I was like, that's how it happens. I was like, oh, maybe that's how it works. But the second you begin to move in that direction, that's when you become a follower. Every single person, we started in the same spot. And over time, we grew from followers to disciples. We started the journey, we started the process of replacing our thoughts, our ideas, our beliefs with what Jesus says is true. With what Jesus says is better and actually works. And here's, here's the truth. The destination for discipleship and spiritual formation is this. It's for you and I to become the same kind of person that Jesus was. Real simple. That's what, that's what we're after. That's, that's the goal. See, I love this about Jesus. Jesus, he doesn't just teach his disciples what to think. He teaches his disciples how to think. He teaches us how to think like he thinks. Jesus teaches his disciples how to see the world around us the same way that he does, not just what to look at, but how to see. He gives us a new lens through which to see the world, relationships, our jobs, money, all that stuff. Jesus, he teaches us how to act, not just what actions to take. And here's the truth. People who are disciples of Jesus, who are actively participating in spirit, we ask this question constantly. What would I do different if I was the same kind of person as Jesus? What would my life look like? If I was the same kind of person as Jesus. We talked about this this summer. It's not, it's not simply trying to do what Jesus would do. It's training to become the kind of person that Jesus was. Right, so how does this work? How do we do this? Well, at Adventure, we use this thing called the four chairs, right? So there are four of these. That's why these are up here. Um, so the, the first place, right? This, and this, here's the truth, right? These, these chairs, they're meant to show us they're meant to show us the pathway to grow in discipleship and spiritual formation. And, and where I'm sitting right here, this is, this is what I would call the seeker chair, right? So the, so the seeker is somebody who's curious. The seeker is somebody who's looking for Jesus. The seeker is somebody who is, is searching for something. And again, what we learned last week by looking at the story of some of Jesus' first followers is what Jesus says, what Jesus says to seekers is come and see, Right? And if we're to join the movement and be disciple makers, you know what our invitation, what our message is to people who are seeking? Come and see. And I love what, what Jesus says, right? He says, come check me out. Come hang out with me. Come spend some time with me. You, you can be a follower. You can be a follower, someone who's curious uh, about Jesus before you're a believer. That's possible, right? That's possible. You can belong to this church before you believe, you can be a part of this community as you're growing in this, right? Jesus says, ask your questions, make your challenge, push back, look for answers. Matthew 7, 7 through 8, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who, who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And for one who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus is great with seekers. And his invitation is come and see. And the next, the next chair, kind of the next step that we take, right, as we grow in discipleship and spiritual formation is, is this one. We're believers, right? So you go from a seeker to a believer, right? You're someone that steps into this place where you're, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready to put my life in Jesus' hands. 
I'm ready to step out of the old kingdom where I ran my life and step into the new kingdom where Jesus is in charge, right? And, and really, for believers, this is where we move from followers to disciples. And what disciple means is a learner, right? We're people that are learning to live and look like Jesus. We're people who, who are we're allowing Jesus to reshape, to reconfigure, to recalibrate our lives, to look more and more like him. And what Jesus says to believers is this. In Matthew 4, he says, follow me. Follow me, and I will make you. I will form you. I will teach you. I will apprentice you into fishers of men, fishers of people, people who look for people. And like we said last week, you know where where most of the evangelism, most of the gospel gets shared, right? We said 90% of evangelism happens for for people who, that that are are Christians, believers in Jesus for two two years or less. You know who the best people to invite people to come and see are? People who, who were in that same spot. They're really good at it. Right? Some of us, we're maybe a little further down the line, and we need to remember what it's like to sit in the seat, in that seat, right? We talked about that last week. But here's what believers do, right? Here's what, here's what a believer does. Believers, disciples in Jesus, we connect our lives to Jesus and other people who are also in discipleship and spiritual formation, right? That's how we become learners. It's not a solo mission, It's not something we do on our own. Disciples and apprentices, we connect our lives to Jesus and to other people who are also growing like we're growing, right? And and what does it look like? Like this. It's kind of like what you're doing today. We rip this phrase off, right? But the first half of this phrase goes like this. We learn, here's the best way to learn, in rows. Hasn't changed much since you were in school, right? We learn in rows, whether that is sitting with our family or our friends or our small group on a Sunday listening to a, to a sermon or, or maybe we're listening to a podcast. Or, or Here's what you're doing. You're learning in a row, right? You're usually listening. When you, when you learn, usually you're listening while facing some sort of a teacher. Whether it's me on a Sunday morning or a podcast you're listening to or, or something you're watching on YouTube, whatever that is, your first step as a believer is to connect yourself to Jesus and others by sitting under really good teaching and learning from people. As we see Jesus do with his disciples, the beginning of Jesus' relationship with his disciples, after they decided, like, look, we're just kind of curious, and Jesus, we want to move from curious to being your disciples, right? What did Jesus do with it? He taught them, and they just sat and listened. They asked questions. They learned. But then what happens is eventually we move into this space, right? And this chair we would call the kingdom worker chair. Right? This, a kingdom worker is someone who, the difference, again, is someone who begins to serve others. A kingdom worker, as you grow in your discipleship, you begin to develop an external focus. You, you start to see people in the world around you the same way that Jesus did. Matthew 20, 26 starts like this. It says, Jesus says, but whoever, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would fir- be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man himself came not to serve not to, not to be served, but to serve. Sorry, dyslexia, it's great. Um, and to give his life as a ransom for many, right? That's what Jesus says. Listen, if you, like, you begin to develop this thing, it's like, look, I'm not here just for me. I'm here to serve other people. Here's the truth, right? And I used to say this in student ministry a lot. And I know I'm talking a lot. I'm going to shut up here in a minute. I used to say this in student ministry to a lot, to, 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 our, to a lot of our kids who had been in, involved in student ministry for a while. It was this. If you've been in student ministry for two years, you've probably seen every trick up our sleeve, You've probably seen, you've probably heard just about every sermon we're going to preach. 
And I would say the same thing is true, right? If you've been sitting in a seat, you've been coming to church every Sunday faithfully, right, for an extended period of time, odds are you're not going to walk in here on a Sunday morning and go, oh, never seen that before. You've probably heard it all. You've probably seen most of it. So here's the truth. For those of us that are in this place, this maybe isn't as much for you as it is for you to invite your coworker that works in the cubicle next to you because they've never seen anything like this before. Or your neighbor or your family member. That's what I mean when I start talking about an other's focus, right? That's how it works. Jesus, he says this, John 13, he says, I've given you an example. After he washed his disciples' feet, you should do just as I've done. You should do for yourselves, right? Just as I've done for you, truly, truly, which is like, he says it twice. It's like, hey, guys, listen up. I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Here's, here's kind of the full phrase, right? We talk about learning, right? We learn in rows, we grow in circles. Kingdom work happens in authentic community. We grow when we're together. And I know Christy just talked about this, but our Wednesday night study groups just kicked off this past Wednesday. It's a great opportunity to grow. Our second hour kicked off a couple weeks ago. Great opportunity to grow. This week, our home groups kick off tonight. There's one in Pee Wee Valley at 5 o'clock. On Thursday night, there's one in J-Town at 6. And there's one that meets downstairs in like 10 minutes. Whether it's a D group or a study group, this is your chance, right? This is your chance to take what you've learned in rows and grow in circles. There are a ton of opportunities here at Adventure to get in a circle of volunteers and begin to serve other people, to make other people a bigger deal than yourself. And that's you growing as a kingdom worker. And then the last one, this chair down here, this is where the disciple makers sit, right? And what's a disciple maker? Who's a disciple maker? Someone who's looking to multiply themselves by inviting and leading others to follow us as we follow Jesus. Hey, follow in my footsteps. There's a saying amongst disciples back in Jesus' day that we should be covered in the dust of our rabbi, which means this. I want to follow so close to my teacher that I get covered in the dust that he kicks up when he walks down the road. See, this is what Jesus set out to start. Jesus never planted a church. Jesus didn't start a nonprofit organization. Like Jesus, all he did was make disciples. He didn't just do ministry. Jesus came to start a movement where disciples make other disciples, where people in the process of spiritual formation help others in their own process of spiritual formation. Like, like a trainer when you go to the gym who's just a little further along than you. They know how this stuff works. They're going to train you. They're going to teach you. And over time, you become stronger. It's somebody who's a little bit further along, who's got some experience. That's a disciple maker. Somebody who's got some experience. And then they use their experience not just for themselves and their own glory and their own whatever. Right? They use it to train somebody else to do the kinds of things that they can do. I love the fact that Jesus looks at his disciples in John 14 and he says, you will go on to do greater things than you've seen me do. What? And he was serious. As disciple makers, we have to create and step into opportunities to make disciples as we go. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 9. He says, we saw, so he saw the crowds. He had compassion on them because they were, they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he looks at his disciples and says this, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers, disciple makers, into the harvest. Now here, I'm going to wrap up, okay? Why do we use these four chairs at Adventure? 
I want to say two things about this and then we'll be done, right? The first reason that we do this is we use an illustration to help us figure out how to take the next step in discipleship and spiritual formation. A lot of times in, in church, right, when somebody says, yeah, you say yes to Jesus, what happens? You, you get baptized, you make a personal decision public, and then that's kind of it, right? You're left soaking wet, and that was exciting, but where do I go from here? We want to, at Adventure, make the next steps in discipleship really easy to pursue or really clear to pursue. And here's the thing. You have to know where you are in order to get where you're wanting to go. And at Adventure, it looks like this. Right? You'll see this. This is what we do. Come as you are. Become as all, all that God desires you to be. How do you do that? Come and see. Come and see Jesus. Check him out. We do things like gaslight, trunk or treat, all those kinds of things. We invite people into this space. We go to where they are simply to invite them to come and see Jesus. We have opportunities to get connected to Jesus and other people in this place, right? To, to, to grow as kingdom workers, to practice, right? We talk about this all the time. If you want to learn how to share the gospel, go, go volunteer in kids' ministry. If you can talk Jesus to a second grader, you can talk Jesus to anyone. And then ultimately, we want to go make disciples. That's what it looks like for us. Adventure Christian Church is sold out for discipleship and spiritual formation. That's what we do. But again, it, remember, it's not about attending a program. Programs and events, they help, but it's a personal process, something that we commit to. And everything we do at Adventure fits into these. Everything we do to, at Adventure is meant to meet someone where they are, as they are, wherever they are in the process. Right? That's what we want to do. The second thing about these chairs, again, super important. They do not imply spiritual rank or importance. Super important for us to know that. Right? Just because you're, in, you're further along, just because you got more experience, doesn't make you better. Let's be real, right? I think sometimes we feel like that. Well, I could never. I'm not. See, I know, here's the thing. I know that there are times, I slide around in these. Right? I know that there are times that I need to volunteer and I need to get to work and I need to grow in some circles. I know that there are times that I need, to sit, I need to sit under some good teaching and be a learner again. And then I need to take all those things that I've learned and all that experience and I need to go pour that into somebody else. And there are times, I'll be honest with you, there are times in my life when I go like, look, I'm looking for some answers. I'm looking for some answers and, and I, I need my faith to increase. Again, so that I can, I can put this to work and I can pour this into somebody else. I'm all over the place. We all are. That's the truth. And I'll end with this, right? When we take into account all the values that we talked about in the last five weeks, when it comes to your life, let me ask you this question. What needs to change? I heard this quote earlier this week. Your life, as it is currently, is set up perfectly to give you the results that you're currently getting. Let me just ask you this. How's that working out for you? Your life and the way it's currently set up is set up perfectly to give you the results that you're currently getting. Do you like that? Do you like the results that your life is getting? Do you like the results of your setup? How's it working out for you? Do you want to see change and transformation? This is how. If you're seeking, ask yourself, am I ready to let go of my current belief systems and take hold of a new one? Can I possibly rethink and replace my ideas, my thoughts, and my beliefs with what Jesus says is true, better, and actually works? Are you ready to be a disciple, a learner, an apprentice that's looking to be formed into someone that lives like Jesus? What rows are you sitting in to learn? Are you ready to be a kingdom worker? Who are you serving? 
Who are you serving? Who in your life are you making a bigger deal than yourself? What circles are you sitting in that will help you grow? Do you want to make disciples? Do you want to join the movement? Who are you pouring your life into? Who are you inviting with you on the journey? Here's the thing. Your life is set up perfectly to give you the results that you're currently getting. If you want that to change, stop making excuses. If you want that to change, you're, not, you're never going to find time. You're going to have to make time. You know what? Maybe I need to step into a group. Maybe I need to hop into one of these things on Wednesday nights. Again, programs, they're not discipleship. They help. Maybe I need to make that, make that personal commitment. Maybe I need to sit down and ask somebody some questions. Maybe I need to figure out what's it like to put my life in Jesus' hands. We want to help you do that today. So we're going to sing a song, and then we're going to be done. Uh, but if you want today to, to make a decision for Jesus, I would love to meet you down front and pray with you. I'd love to help you through that process. If, if you need prayer today, again, would love to pray with you. If you just want to pray on your own, you can come pray. We've got a cross. There's a place you can kneel right here. If you just want to spend some time with Jesus, you can do that. If you want to be a part of this church, if you want to join our crazy family, it's awesome. I love it. I love our church. Love to help you do that as well. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you that you line out a process of spiritual formation, that you make it possible because of your life, your death, and your resurrection. Without you, we are sunk. Without you, we are lost. But because of you, we are never lost. There are no such things. There are lost causes, damaged goods, too broken, too wrecked. Lord, you reach into our lives. You begin to repair. You prepare us to be these disciple makers that go out and change the world. That's who we long to be. We love you, Jesus. You hear me pray. Amen.